0: And here we go. You are listening to Law and Gospel on this rumination Thursday, August the thirteenth, in the year of our Lord twenty twenty. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and my co host with me at this time is Wes Reimnitz. How are you doing, Wes? I'm doing great. How are you? Well, we'll see by the end of the program how we're doing.
1: <laughs> it's a real nightmare.
0: Yes, yes. We began a series a few weeks ago after watching a program on YouTube and elsewhere called "Kitchen Nightmares," where a chef goes into restaurants that are failing and really helps them to correct the food, the service, the communication that goes on in the kitchen, uh, better decor, etc. And I got thinking that we can have a program called Worship Nightmares. And we began it by taking a look at hymns that were contrary to the will of God. That's what a worship nightmare is, that which is contrary to God's will done in a worship. And we began with hymns, and then we looked at parables, then we looked at Confession of Sins. Uh, Today, we're going to be taking a look at sermons. Did you find any sermons, Wes, that might be a worship nightmare? Oh,
1: man, did I ever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's enough to drive a person crazy It's looking at them. I mean, I sent you a couple through the email, but uh, one I sent you was off of YouTube uh, was Joel Olstein and The Good Seed. And you try figuring out what The Good Seed is when you listen to his sermon.
0: What was The Good Seed? Um
1: uh, well, half most of the sermon was, it was, it was that you were a creation, you're a part of God's DNA by his creation, that you, you are the good seed, and that God made you that way. About halfway through the sermon, he, he goes, the word is, is the good seed, but then he flips back to the person being the good seed, and we're, we're the good seed. And uh, we're planet, and we have negative circumstances all around us, and those negative circumstances can be a divorce, cancer, illness, a bad, bad day at the office, not getting along with your neighbor, you know, variety of things, or mistakes that we make in our lives. Well, there is a
0: parable that Jesus gives about a farmer who goes out, and he throws out good seed, and then people come in and put in tares or weeds. And the good seed are the Christians. But does he indicate that he's only talking about Christians when he talks about good seed?
1: He's talking about anybody that's listening to his sermon is the is good seed planted by God. And you got all these negative consequences, which he calls fertilizer, that, that's heaped upon you as growing experience, waiting for you to bloom.
0: Yeah, I, I don't really have that big a problem with us being the good seed and that we have fertilizer. What I've been discovering is they think that every human being is part of the good seed of God.
1: Well that's that he does, but uh the the fertilizer are bad circumstances. Sure. That, uh, that, that causes us to 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 grow and God's just waiting for us to to grow. In fact in fact uh uh he would he would even go off went further on to say that the Bible characters of Adam or of uh, Abraham, Esther, uh, Paul, and David, and so forth, couldn't survive under today's pandemic. God planted us as a good seed because we could, we could survive the pandemic.
0: Boy, I hate to go through what Esther went through and others. <laughs> I think that was worse than the pandemic. If you were to summarize, what would be the goal of his sermon?
1: To see that that by your own strength that you can you 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 can rise above all the negative circumstances that come upon your life, and uh, and and make it because you're part of God's DNA.
0: And how many times was the cross mentioned? None. None. Not once. Not once. There's no way that somebody can understand themselves being the good seed apart from the cross of Christ. Now, one of the things I was looking at was sermons that have legalism in them. And you know where I found uh, a lot of the legalism? Where's that? In essays against legalism. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'm not kidding. Uh, Here's one. Now, these are non-Lutheran pastors, of course. And he has an article talking about how legalism began when the Jews insisted that people who were Gentiles had to be circumcised before they could become uh, a member of Israel. Now, I want to read this uh, sentence The specific issue of circumcision has long since passed as a concern to us, but the principle behind it is very, very present with us today. The enemy has simply changed the issues. He has substituted some different issues on the same old divisive platform. He has substituted
1: Oh, substituted baptism, huh?
0: In other words, he believes that baptism, then the concern that we have in having people baptized is really legalistic because it's like circumcision, whereas the two are really quite different. Baptism is a sacrament not done by us, but done by God to us. And so that yeah. is a work of God. It's none of our works at all.
1: Right. Well, that would, there in Colossians chapter 3, where we are raised with Christ and our minds are set above where he's at. speaks about baptism.
0: Oh, my. I mean, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Yes. And what does he do with uh, Nicodemus, that you need Mm. to be born again? And it's clearly through baptism and such. So he puts baptism in the same category as a legalistic work that we are told to do, and that's not true at all. It is instead a means of grace that God brings you into the Holy Christian Church.
1: Well, what also comes up, I noticed, at the end of many of these sermons, like the the one I listened to, that. did not mention Christ or anything or his death and resurrection in the sermon. But following that, when he did his amen, so to speak, he finished, he, as well as many of the other types of sermons that I lived, had their altar call. Yes. You know what the altar altar call is. Yeah,
0: explain that.
1: That's where uh, you make a decision for Jesus to, ask Jesus into your life so that you can accept him as your personal Lord and savior.
0: Yeah. This one uh, article I was reading, he, he says not only baptism is a form of legalism, but also speaking in tongues. I attended a church service where they had a number of people around this individual who they did not think yet was a Christian and encouraged them to speak in tongues. And, of course, that would have been a legalistic method. In fact, there are some churches that believe that if you cannot speak in tongues, you cannot consider yourself saved.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I got some CDs from a a conference where they would all of a sudden start speaking in tongues, you know, and you couldn't understand a single thing they were saying.
0: Yes, if you go go to the Pentecost— the speaking in tongues is known foreign languages, like Arabic, etc., And mm. they believe it's an angelic language that you need an interpreter. Even the person speaking it may not know what he is saying, and that's why they have interpreters. And that is just really a sad situation to tell someone you're not saved if, you are not able to speak in tongues.
1: And yet, you know, in Corinthians, Paul writes that it's better that he be able to speak in words that you can understand than words that you cannot understand.
0: Yes, the, because that's where love comes in, which is the greatest gift that God has given us. Now, and. what What were you saying?
1: Uh, I didn't catch you.
0: Oh, I thought you were starting to talk. That's part of the problem in not being in the same room. All righty. Yeah. I want to give an example then of where I was legalistic early in my ministry. I had mm. a professor, uh, Martin Charlemagne, who was a member of my congregation. And he was a tremendous uh, professor in the area of uh, New Testament understanding, took courses from him, etc. cetera. Uh, one day he came up to me and he said, I do appreciate much of the law and gospel you have in your sermon, but you tend to end with either a French or a salad ending. And I had no idea what he was talking about. So I asked him to explain that. He said, well, sometimes the French ending is, may we, or the salad ending is, let us. And he says, after giving me the good news of the gospel, then you put me back under the law, indicating that this is what I needed to do in light of being a Christian. And there's no doubt there is that concept in the area of sanctification that as a Christian, we want to do God's will. But to put it at the end of a sermon and leave that as your lasting note gives the impression to the people, he explained to me, that I was therefore saying that what they are to do now, let us or may we, is a way of assuring me that I am a Christian. And I think that was a very good point he was making.
1: Oh, I, I would agree. Yeah, I call myself doing that too. Although I, I do have to say that uh, when I went through the Four Wayne Seminary, they were death on nails in our sermon classes that we don't do, may we, or let us. Uh, sort of things at the end of the sermons. We we would get downgraded for, for having done that. So, you know, we had a fairly good homiletics department.
0: Homiletics means? Sermons. Yes, how to do sermons properly, et cetera. And you can often figure out where a pastor is going to do a sermon by asking him this question. What is the goal of your sermon? And if it has anything to do with changing the life of an individual, becoming more obedient to the will of God, you're bound to be getting involved in some kind of legalism. In fact, um, that's what happened with uh, a lot of the churches that we've been talking about, the Reformed. Remember the man comes to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus ends up telling him, sell all that you have, give to the poor, come follow me and you'll be saved. There are actually folks who began monasteries in the day Mm -hmm. of Luther who use that Bible verse to indicate that that's how they were saved, that they went away from the world gave all their possessions to the poor, uh, worked for the needy, and thought that that's what Jesus was saying. When in reality, Jesus was answering the question, what must I do to be saved? Well, if you want to do something, you have to be perfect in your obedience. But the fact of the matter is, nobody can do these things. Remember, the rich man walked away and the disciples then said, well, who then can be saved? And Jesus' answer was, with men it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. That's— You know, the
1: kind of—oops, go ahead.
0: No, go ahead.
1: It, it also reminds me in the late 20th century of, of, of the cult of the Jim Jones. Didn't he have them sell all their properties and follow him? And finally, they went down to South America, and they followed him, and they ended up taking that Kool-Aid poison and dying.
0: Right. Yes. Yeah, that's That's what happens. You need to listen to your pastor and always ask the question, with what you have just said, what is the Bible verse to back it up? Get up. And if there's not a Bible verse— then you're listening to a false teacher.
1: And that was the thing about the good seed when I was listening to it. I kept waiting for a Bible verse, but it was always just kind of out there and never, never really quoted the Bible verse upon which it was based.
0: Yes, and with Joel and many others, you just don't find the teaching of Jesus involved in it, particularly his sufferings, his death, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension. That's not important. All you need to do is do the best you can and you can achieve the impossible. That's why most people who attend Joel's church only are there for a few years because what he's telling them isn't working out in their life
1: oh yeah it's it's, it's, it's a, it was a as we say a worship nightmare that was was going on and uh right at the at the end of the, not only the end of his sermon but i i found it on countless others then they invited you to accept jesus into feel like that you by some miraculous means that you're you were able to accept him uh, by your own power.
0: That's a big distinction C.F.W. Walter makes in Law and Gospel, that the true way of coming into the church is through the means of grace. These are outward acts, hearing the word of God, receiving baptism or the Lord's Supper, or absolution, in contrast, to feeling in your heart that you are saved. And so that's what a lot of these reformed churches, Baptist, uh, Presbyterian, Methodists, et cetera, because of their denial of the Lord's Supper as taught by the scripture, you have to get this feeling in your heart. And therefore it's a very emotional kind of thing, rather than that which is on the basis of faith. How much faith did Joel Osteen talk about in regard to faith in the promises of the gospel? Any?
1: Not, not a single one, not yeah. a single one. Now, he talks about how how we could do it our our own way, no matter the, quote, negative circumstances or mistakes that we made in our life. There, there still comes that moment in time where we're able to break forth and and rise above all our circumstances.
0: I've often said about Joel Osteen, he brags that he never went to the seminary, and then oh, he goes Joe. ahead and proves it.
1: <laughs> That's what I was thinking the whole time. I'm listening to it. I, I go, man, oh, man, you would have never made it out of a, a, a seminary with that kind of thinking.
0: No, not even first year. Yeah, um, Right. When you're just getting down the, the, the basics of it. But uh, that's why we have four years at the seminary. The third year often is called a vicarage where you're assigned to a congregation under a pastor to learn how to implement what you learned the first two years and then the fourth year goes into greater detail. And the big thing, as C.F.W. Walther says in his lectures in the 1800s, is nothing is more important than making the proper distinctions between law and gospel. Right. And,
1: it, it kind of reminds me of the the uh, vicar I ran across His father was a friend of mine, and they were saying he was having troubles in his vicarage because his pastor told him not to, that he just wasn't going to make it as a pastor. And I finally said, you know, I think you need to tell him that you want to be a pastor and you want to talk about the love and forgiveness of Christ and where he is heirs. Where he is heirs, he doesn't mind his vicarage supervisor telling him. And he went and did that. And lo and behold, today he's a very good law gospel pastor. Listen to what his supervisor had to say.
0: Yes, it takes a while to get that law and gospel down. And that's what's primarily wrong with sermons that are legalistic. They can't stay away from the idea that salvation is something you do. And unfortunately, when you put baptism into that category, that's a misunderstanding. That's a sacrament from God. It's not something I do. It's something that God does for me. It's really quite a difference.
1: And uh, it really comes back to that old principle that we talked about, that you can split— The religion into two categories, what God has done for us and what man has done.
0: Right. In fact, you've often made a distinction between those two categories. The one is what I do, and the other is what is already done.
1: Done. Yeah, do and done.
0: Yes. We need to, in our sermons, talk about the done that's already happened. That's how people come to faith. The Holy Spirit uses what Christ has done, namely dying on the cross for our sins, paying the punishment that should have been ours, and then transferring to us his righteousness. That's why we're able to go to heaven, because we are righteous from God's point of view, because we receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ, uh, particularly in our baptism. Uh, explain what is meant by the glorious exchange. Glorious
1: exchange is where God does it all in, in our baptism. He takes off our robes of sin and puts on to, to him the robes of Christ's righteousness. And in God's sight, through baptism, God looks at us and sees no sins but Christ's righteousness and a child
0: of God. Yeah, I recently had a conversation with an individual who is not Lutheran but has been listening to the program and he was just so excited about hearing what, and here's how he put it, Wes, the burden on me is now lifted. Mm.
1: Uh, Haven't you, I've seen that in in adult information classes that I had where they were becoming members of the church, and you, you could just see when you hit that section in the second article of the Apostles' Creed of, of Christ's death and resurrection and what he has done, and you talk about the glorious exchange in baptism, that you could just see their shoulders lift up that the, the, they have now been moved to a new level.
0: Exactly. And that's what is so very, very important in understanding our message. So, next week we'll be going to another nightmare in worship. I'm thinking of uh, perhaps the Lord's Supper.
1: I thought we did that. Well, we did substitutes.
0: Well, we didn't get into as much as we could of so we'll no, have to we, take a look at that.
1: Yeah, we got sidetracked on the Slovene substitutes in worship that we found.
0: All right. Tom Baker, Wes Reimnitz, thanks for listening to us. Tomorrow, Open Mic Friday, uh, email me at gospel lawandgospel at dot 101com if you have a question, and we will attempt to answer that question. We have some other items that we're going to be doing. Till then, God Listen bless to Law you. Law and
2: Gospel each weekday morning at 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, thirteen thirty-three South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri six three one two two. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at three one four nine nine six one five four two.
0: We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.